Chapter Twelve of Bill Bidden Trapper. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Bill Bidden Trapper by Edward Sylvester Ellis. Chapter Twelve. Found at last. I took a direction nearly due east toward the Black Hills. Near the middle of the day I reached the shore of a lake. It was a small, beautiful sheet of water, its glistening surface unruffled by a single ripple, and I stood a long time gazing upon its placid bosom. The blue outline of the opposite shore was faintly visible in the distance, and here and there the green face of a tiny island protruded from its surface, adding greatly to the picturesqueness of the scene. As I stood looking dreamily out upon this lake, my eyes rested upon a small speck, just discernible far toward the other side. It was too small and dark to be an island, and furthermore I fancied it was moving. A moment more satisfied me that it was a canoe crossing the lake, nearly to the point upon which I was standing. So small and black was it, that for a long time I was tempted to believe it was nothing but a bird floating upon the surface. But the flashing of the oars in the sunshine showed its true nature, and I waited anxiously its approach. On it came, slowly and steadily, its form gradually increasing as it approached, until I could discover the outlines of a single man propelling it over the water. A sudden hope that it might be Nat himself came over me, but as it came nigher, the dazzling plumes of a savage convinced me of my mistake. It struck me as a little singular that the Indian, solitary and alone, should approach so unhesitatingly a stranger, and I was upon the point of concealing myself. But, knowing that I must have been seen, and that such a proceeding would only awaken suspicion upon his part, I remained boldly in view. A few minutes later, and the canoe grated upon the sand a few yards from me, and, daubed in all the glittering paraphernalia of savage war-paint and plumes, no less a personage than Nat stepped ashore and approached me. I was on the point of calling out to him, when I saw he did not recognise me. Since we had last been together, my beard had grown considerably, and my dress was also changed to that of a semi-barbarous one. I drew my hat down to my eyes and spoke in a changed voice. A pleasant day this, my friend. Yes, it is, replied the same natural cracked voice. A fine country this, too. Yes, that's so. Didn't expect to see you. And why not, my friend? Because tain't often you see a white man in these parts. You're the first one I've seen. And how is it you are here yourself? Well, stranger... There's a long story fastened to that question, a longer one than I care about spinning at present. You are not a prisoner, I hope. It was some time last fall I got took, and I've been with them, of course, ever since. And why have you remained with them so long? It strikes me that if I had the fine opportunity you have, I should not be long waiting to bid them farewell. You see, when I landed down here it was winter, and if you're any hunter, as I calculate you are, from your dress, you must know that a fellow from the States would make poor work tramping a thousand miles at such a time. 
so i concluded to wait till spring and have been thinking about going for the last month or two but somehow or other i haven't got started i suppose cause i haven't had a good start what were you doing on the lake i came down this morning to fish and seeing you on t'other side took you to be an injun fishing so i paddled across you are allowed considerable liberty it seems after all well i have considerable though it ain't done me much good so far you wish to return to the states i presume i guess i do i'm about as homesick a dog as you ever laid eyes on and there's a gal home that i want to see amazingly at this remark i was compelled to cough several times to prevent bursting into a loud boisterous laugh i felt like dropping upon the grass and rolling over and over and yelling like an indian but i restrained myself and determined to carry the deception further she most likely has given you up as dead by this time i'm a little afraid she has and that's the reason i want to go down and tell her her mistake but i don't know as it would be any use by gracious he added in a desponding tone and why not pray oh there's a chap named bill hawkins who thinks he's mighty smart all the time flourishing round there i'd just like to lay hands on him once and nat clinched his hands and shook his head menacingly then resuming his natural manner he added quickly and with a sort of desperation i don't care though if sal wants him she can have him that's it take things philosophically is my motto when you are compelled to in making this last remark i unwittingly dropped my voice to its natural key nat started and raised those large blue innocent eyes of his and stared wonderingly at me did my remarks surprise you i asked working harder than i ever did to restrain my gravity it weren't what you said but your voice sounded amazingly like a person i used to know and i thought maybe you might be him perhaps i am no you don't look like him he was about your size but didn't dress like you nor didn't have such whiskers what was his name william relmond from new jersey william relmond from new jersey i repeated as though trying to recall some half-forgotten remembrance he used to be called jazzy by bill bidden added nat quickly as if to aid my recollection and do you know bill bidden a trapper i demanded eagerly i am of the opinion that i do being as i have hunted with him a long time ah indeed he is an old friend of mine i saw him some time since and he was then in the service of the hudson bay company didn't he say anything about jersey i've hit it now that's where i heard the name yes he said a great deal about him and he also mentioned a person called nathan todd i think i am the man sir responded nat with considerable dignity you are i recall now that he mentioned the fact of your captivity although he was more inclined to say you were dead and gone long since bill is a pretty cute chap but he's mistaken there yes he seems to cherish a warm friendship for you you see the way of it was this me and bill relmond started from independence last summer for california the company we was with ran away from us taking my knife and mare with them so we started for california on our own hook we came across this bill bidden and changed our minds or rather relmond did and concluded to go on a hunt 
up in these parts well we did and this is the end of that hunt we fixed on a place down on the yellowstone and would have spent a good time if it hadn't been for that relmond he was a good fellow but betwixt you and me you needn't say nothing about it you know he was rather soft and i had to keep a close watch over him to prevent his getting into danger there used to come some injuns down the stream in a canoe and they set his head crazy it wasn't the injuns though but a white gal they had she was pretty i allow but he ought to have knowed better than to chase her as he did he might have knowed what would have come of it we used to go down and watch this canoe one day i went a little lower down the stream than he did and hid in some bushes beside the water to take a good look at the gal and the injuns pretty soon they came and as they got along by me by gracious if they didn't start right into the bushes after me i was so fast in the roots and limbs that i hadn't time to get out before they got right on to me i then up and blazed away to keep them off but i forgot to take aim and didn't hit them and the first thing i knowed i didn't know anything one of them smashed his tomahawk square at me grabbed me by the neck whopped me into the canoe paddled to the other side and made me walk all the way here i haven't seen relmond or bidden since and i should like to know what has become of them bidden is safe of course and relmond was a captive i believe a while but he managed to make his escape some time since how do you know that much i should like to know simply for the reason that i am william relmond nathan todd started as if struck by a thunderbolt his eyes and mouth opened his rifle fell unheeded to his feet and he stared all agape at me his face was such an embodiment of wonder doubt then certainty and pleasure that i gave way completely to my feelings and seating myself upon the ground rolled over and laughed one of those laughs which rack our whole being and make us as weak as an infant when i again resumed my feet my old friend approached and extended his hand what you laughing at i knowed it was you all the time it was hardly worth time to dwell upon the words which passed between nat and myself after my identity became known to him of course he was half frantic with joy in turn and overwhelmed me with questions and explanations and in the course of half an hour we both came to a full understanding I had acquainted Nat with my separation from Imogen, and that she was waiting for me at Death Rock. He knew the place well, and without losing time we hastened forward. He had become acquainted with Imogen, and had often conversed with her about his lost sister, and of me, little dreaming that she had ever seen me. Nat proved his knowledge of the country, for his course toward the Death Rock was direct, and ere we had travelled many miles it loomed up to view. It seemed a long while to reach it, but before dark we were both conversing with Imogene. The night was spent within the cave, Nat and I conversing around the fire, while Imogene, wrapped in our blankets, slumbered unconsciously beside it. Nat succeeded in catching several fine trout from a small mountain stream, and when we resumed our journey, I hardly think three more hopeful people could have been found in the universe. Our progress was less rapid than usual, and we feared for Imogene, though her life had been such as to make her the very embodiment of health and activity. 
at night we reached a bend of the yellowstone and camped upon its banks a fire was again kindled and while nat kept watch i concluded to take a little rest he allowed me to sleep heavily until morning when i was aroused by one of the most terrific unearthly shrieks that ever greeted mortal ear god of heaven what does that mean i exclaimed springing to my feet sounds like the snorter the engine that i heard on the boston road answered nat rubbing his eyes and listening hush i admonished as again that hideous scream burst upon us wonder if the pacific railroad's built yet remarked nat with the utmost nonchalance or maybe some of their engines have run away from them as i stood wondering and waiting the gray light of morning commenced appearing through the forest and shortly the day dawned a moment after as i was about to awaken imogene the awful scream was repeated seemingly directly across the river it was different from a human voice but sounded like the cry of a wild animal in extremity of the direst agony as if our terror was still too faint we now heard the loud ring of a bell apparently from the very forest what is that asked imogene pale with horror heaven knows i answered sounds like the old bell up in lubeck remarked nat who singularly enough was the least agitated listen whispered imogene raising her hand now was heard a dead sound like the distant heave of the stormy sea growing stronger and nearer each second and at intervals that wild unearthly shriek reverberated through the forest arches with a horrid power matters were now assuming such an inexplicable form that i began to fear i was losing my senses i looked around upon the faces of others but no it was a terrible reality look spoke imogene in a husky whisper pointing down the river i did look and what was seen there just rounding the curve of the yellowstone below us burst the broad flaming hull of a steamboat for a moment i could scarce believe my senses nat was the first to recover himself i knowed what it was all the time by gracious hello you the latter exclamation was addressed in vociferous tones to the steamboat and fearing lest he might still escape notice he sprang into the water and waved his plumes excitedly over his head yelling at the top of his voice all the time we had been seen however and heeded by those on the boat a small bell tinkled and instantly the huge wheel of the steamer reversed ploughing the water into foamy waves and quickly bringing it to a standstill the captain then stepped from his wheelhouse and hailed us what's wanted supper and lodging answered nat who are you white men of course white men i only see you and you're an injun sure as i'm captain garbold i now stepped forward from the shelter of the forest to which i had instinctively retreated with the trembling imogene upon the appearance of the boat ah who are those called the captain instantly we are whites as you can readily see and only asked to be taken to our friends the captain immediately turned and spoke to several beside him a few minutes afterward a small boat put out from the steamer and imogene followed by myself stepped into the boat but nat lingered come hurry nat don't keep them waiting said i i'm going to remain 
he remarked quietly what do you mean i asked in astonishment he approached and whispered in my ear i'm going to hunt up irene mermont why don't say anything he interrupted with a smile i will do it there is no use of trying to persuade me to go with you my mind is made up and has been made up a long time imogene joined her entreaties with mine but he could not be made to change his resolution not wishing to detain our friends i extended my hand if you are determined to remain i must now bid you good-bye nat your determination is so new to me that i can hardly realize it it is a hopeless search upon which you are going i fear may the one who has so mercifully watched over all of us still protect you if you ever see bidden don't forget me to him good-bye nor me either said imogene taking his hand i long to see him to pour out my heart's gratitude to him i hope we shall see you again oh you will sure i shall be down in the states one of these days and like enough bring a wife with me and several little nat todds as good-looking as your heirs will be you mustn't think this is a last farewell for i know it isn't we exchanged farewells once more and then were rowed out to the steamboat as we were received on board nat swung his plume over his head and shouted long life to you the first news you will receive from nat todd will be the telegraphic dispatch from the rocky mountains that he is making a sensation in that neighborhood another and last farewell and the eccentric being had vanished in the forest imogene had no suspicion of the true cause of nat todd's erratic course and i judged it best to let her remain in ignorance until nat should inform her himself whether that time was ever to come or not no one could tell but i had a strong hope that it would as may be supposed our advent created an infinite amount of questioning and wonderment for our new-found friends the boat was the steamer shooting star which had been sent to trace the yellowstone as far as it was navigable by a company in st louis they proposed opening trade in this section and knowing well the prodigious resources of the country watered by its tributaries had sent a skilful captain and crew to ascertain its character and availability this river have however been ascended before the shooting star ascended the yellowstone several hundred miles further until brought to a standstill by the rapids in its upper part several days were spent in running up clark's fork the big horn tongue powder and numerous other streams many of which as yet have received no names though of considerable size all along the banks of these gathered crowds of wandering indians who surveyed us with mingled terror and amazement on two occasions when halting to wood the crew were attacked by them and one of their number was slain at other points they manifested a friendly disposition and bartered extensively with us finally the bow of the boat was turned home and on a glorious morning in the latter part of june 1850 we glided into the turbid waters of the mad missouri and a few days later shooting star sunk to rest at the wharves in st louis accompanied by imogene i made my way home as rapidly as possible as may be supposed my return was a never-to-be-forgotten day to my friends 
the caravan which i had joined at independence had been attacked a few days subsequent to my separation from it by an overwhelming body of apache indians rumors reached the states that all had fallen in the massacre and my reappearance was like the dead returning to life the reader i trust can imagine the few remaining incidents after inducing imogene to return to the states i do not think i should have ever forgiven myself had i not offered her all the protection within my power she was like an exotic at first taken from a distant clime but love works wonders Today there are few accomplishments of her sex which she does not possess True there was no great romances or mystery yet to be developed in her history She had been orphaned when a young child in the terrible manner described by the trapper at the commencement of this tale I Had gained no princess or wealthy heroine, but simply a wife in the truest sense of the word the history of nat todd's adventures and journey to the rocky mountains together with a further account of bill bidden the trapper and of irene merment the lost sister will be given the reader in another volume the end end of chapter 12 end of bill bidden trapper by edward sylvester ellis